Greetings, McGarry here, back from a week off. And today we were joined in studio by Marcus Chambers, the chair of the Winnipeg Police Board, because the board and police chief, Danny Smythe, are going to meet today to discuss the next steps in the Jeremy Skibicki case. There were rumors, there were rumblings last week of a Colorado low coming this way. We check in with David Phillips from Environment Canada to get the latest on what we are seeing. Holiday concerts are back, musicals, and more. We check in with Stacey Natras Brown, a music teacher over at Garden City Collegiate. And what's something that you're surprised that you were able to get into and enjoy? Such as, for me, for example, game I don't care about, soccer, but this weekend I had lots of fun watching the World Cup. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Monday, December 12th podcast for The Start. Hi there, Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. I have not <laughs> slept as much as I slept in the last week in years, and it was magnificent. Magnificent! And it's a, it was a stark reminder I have got to change my life. I cannot keep getting three, four hours of sleep every night. I think Greg, you know, so Brett was off last week. Greg and I were in studio and, and Greg, I was thinking about this idea that we always take vacation to go places or do things or get stuff done. And when I saw Brett over the weekend and I said, how was it? He was like, I did nothing. And it was fabulous. And I thought, you know what? Maybe we all need to take some of those days once in a while where your goal is like, I'm not actually committing to even cleaning myself, let alone <laughs> this house or this garage or Right. I think far too often we need a vacation from our holiday. Right. Yep. And that's a mistake I know I make on the regular. And so, Brett, uh, you are my new inspiration. I Sorry to mean to talk over you there, Loren, but I, I, I crave statistics. I crave numbers. Like, talk about some of the sleeps that you got. Like, <laughs> you got into double-digit territory at least once that I'm aware of. Well, Wednesday... So Monday I went, I had planned to go try to knock out all of my Christmas shopping, but I kind of slept in a little bit and I, cause I, I needed to go down Pemina and then I went to Grand Park and I thought about going to Polo Park, but I knew that if I went to Polo, then I'd be dealing with rush hour and I, I will plan my days around avoiding rush hour at all costs. So by the time I was done at Grand Park, it was already 3.30 and I thought, nope, that's it. I'm done. I'm not I'm just going to go home and I'll do the rest on Wednesday. And I hadn't taken a close look at the forecast yet for Wednesday. And then the next day we got the extreme cold warning. And I thought I woke up Wednesday morning. The guy maintenance people showed up in my apartment to replace the, the HVAC filter. And that was around nine 30. And then after he left, I thought, ah, it's too cold to do anything. I'm going back to bed, and I just slept through it all. Yes. I woke up at 2 in the afternoon. Good for you. And I haven't slept past noon, I think, in years. And I did it twice. I did it again on Sunday uh, because I had a long day. I put in a couple of long shifts on Saturday. Went to the pub for the England-France match for the World Cup, and then we had a little holiday get gathering for work people on Saturday night. And I was like, okay, well, this is a long day, and I'm going to need some time to... Um, Shall we say rest? But that's the problem. Now you've ended your holiday with this big Saturday, and then you had the deficit again that you were trying to make up for yesterday, and you come in Monday, and we're all tired again. But I think that I, like, I think there's a bigger conversation about trying to make your vacations more relaxing in life. I know we all want to get stuff done and have a good time and go see people, but when you're exhausted, man, 
It's almost like you need like a what's the point when you go to retreat, like a sanctuary. Ah, yes, that's right. Or even like when you go to uh, like a like a resort in Mexico, um, because we had all. I remember the one. I've been to Mexico once. It was Mazatlan, and we had we were there seven days, and we had all kinds of things planned. But there were a couple of days where we're like, well, let's just sit by the pool. Yeah. And I at first I felt like. But I'm well, here. I, I should I, do yeah, something. I want to be doing something. But then it, I, after about 10 minutes, I thought, oh, this is this is actually pretty nice. Oh, I was already talking to my sister about what we're going to do for Christmas and get together. And it's been years since we've been able to get together as siblings just because of long distance. But then COVID. And we were just chatting last night. And I was like, I, I said to her, I want to be clear. Like, I don't really want to do anything. <laughs> we see each other. Like, I, I want 19 Hallmark movies. And we'll watch some sort of terrible documentary on Harry and Meghan or something like that. You know, I want nothing. And she and then she says, to be clear, I am planning nothing. Oh, <laughs> I, I was wonderful. Yes. That's one of the bonuses. I get a hard time about going to San Diego or Carlsbad as often as I do. But we're at that stage now where we've done all the touristy stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have to jam pack a whole bunch of things into four or five or six days when we're there. We just live like locals and we hit the coffee shops and we go for a walk along the beach in the morning and just... Do the stuff that people who live in Southern California do. And so so that's the benefit of, of going a place multiple times. You don't feel like, oh, I got to get this in, get that in. You've done it all. And so, uh, yeah, if you, can, if you can live like that on your holiday a little more often, I think that's better. Uh, talking to one of my best friends on Saturday, they just spent se- uh, 10 days in the Dominican, and he looked at me and goes, I need a holiday from my vacation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we called it always vacation from the vacation. You know, when you're you may you might be overseas somewhere or experiencing a different culture, and then you look around, and you're like, is there like a Burger King I can hit up, or some sort <laughs> yep. of plate of nachos, or something that's just going to make me it. normalize it for a bit, and then we'll get back at her. But I'm tired, so yes. That's why when every year when I do that annual uh, boys golf thing, which is a four day thing, Saturday through Tuesday, that's why I now will book that whole week off. Because I, the, I, I, I used to just take the Monday, Tuesday, and then I'd be back to work Wednesday. And tired. Oh, n- tired, defeated, worn out, hungover, etc. I need like two days just to get over that four day excursion. We ring like every minute out of our holiday. You try, and I know some in the past. I've often, you know, done the work on Thursday, take Friday off, but fly wherever we're going on Thursday night so that we can get that extra day or what feels like an extra day and then come home on Sunday at the last possible moment. And and that serves no genuine purpose other than to be exhausted after you've been off for a week. And so the intention of recharging your batteries just sort of falls flat. So you're recharged, but then you're also stressed right now, Brett. We were talking about... The stress we were feeling over the weekend. Oh yes. Well, hey, Saturday. Uh, like as I, we had a, I had a, it was a celebratory weekend. It went out Friday. Saw some friends uh, at the pub, and then returned on Saturday, and then had a the party Saturday night. And you woke up yesterday feeling like I had a great time. It was a super fun weekend. It was wonderful to see friends in various capacities. But I felt crushing guilt yesterday at how much money I spent over the weekend to the point where I cannot, I have not yet been able to bring myself to look at my bank account (laughs) to see what kind of damage I did. Um, Because it was three days in after my, I guess, well, it was after Monday. I went Christmas shopping and I kind of 
overspent, and I got the the you know the the warning from the bank saying you've you've crossed the threshold. Mm-hmm. Like I'm three days. I just got paid. And you're telling me I'm already broke? Like, oh my god! That's the, I think month. that's a common feeling this time of year. And then everything is costing so much more, and you're trying to figure out how you're going to make it all work. And then you're getting together with friends, and and I, I'm increasingly a person that gets to a point where I'm like, okay, I got to go, or I worry the next day about the things that came out of my mouth, <laughs> because even if I don't even imbibe in anything, lots I say a lot. I say what's on my mind <laughs> what at do you the mean? at the best of times, and if you add anything else to the equation. You know, you wake up, you're like, oh, I little, threw a lot of truth grenades into that room last night. McNabb needs a body camera <laughs> so she can go back and review the footage. No, I wouldn't want before. to. People who take pictures at parties or videos are the don't, enemy. Don't I don't do want it. that. We're supposed to be having a good time. Right. I don't want you to, I, when I get a video the next day of me dancing like Elaine from Seinfeld, I'm annoyed. And I don't <laughs> want to see myself. Well, our question of the day at CJOB.com, the return of holiday parties might be bringing various levels of anxiety you've not had to deal with for a couple of years. Do you experience any of these? Hangxiety? Guilt over spending too much? General social anxiety? All of the above or none of the above? Cast your vote at CJOB.com. It is Mackling McGarry McNabb, producer Matt Abraham for Jeff Forte. Coming up in our next segment, we're going to tell you how you can win yourself some tickets to see Shania Twain, November 7th, Canada Life Centre. And we also have tickets to give away to see the Winnipeg Jets. We're going to do that just after 7.15 for Tuesday, December 20th, when the Ottawa Senators are in town. Now, this past weekend, you showed up in droves. I saw some of the pictures and video on social media. Again, once again, Manitoba stepping up to support an organization which serves the less fortunate in our community. Yeah, it was, of course, the seventh annual Fill the Freightliner presented by our friend Ken Talbot at Trans Solutions Truck Centers. And they welcomed his team of many, welcomed so many Winnipeggers, Manitobans who generously were coming by, like just one after the other, dropping off winter clothing. There was a lot of non-perishable food items dropped off. And, of course, all of this went to Siloam Mission. Winnipeggers, Manitobans also helped raise a lot of cash. So the number is still being calculated, but as the last report we're hearing, well over $60,000 was raised to support people who use the services at Silo Mission. And Greg, it's just a wonderful, heartwarming thing to see. see, And we just can't thank people enough for all they do. Yeah, and it was a wonderful opportunity to get back out into the community and to to say hello to so many of you. Thanks to everybody who came by and went out of their way to to come inside Boston Pizza or to, to, to seek us out and to give us uh, personal greetings and to come inside. And one of those donors who did just that was giving back in honor, or pardon me, in honor of his own recovery from addiction and homelessness. Shane Sturby Highfield is presenting us with the gift of his story. The last few years have been, it's been a roller coaster to say the least, right? Uh, quite a journey, losing jobs constantly to the point where my addiction really just, it, it, it made me unemployable in a sense. I destroyed my finances. I was able to sell the home that I owned, but I took that those funds and spent them on my addiction. You know, I drained my RSPs. I, you name it, everything that I had, I, I ended up as, you know, a result of my addiction, lost to my addiction. Um, so which it brought me, you know, in turn, in, in turn to the streets. Family had turned my, their back on me at this point, right, which, which is what I needed because 
family can be one of the big enablers because they want to help us, um, but they don't necessarily know how to help us. I remember making that phone call that I didn't want to be alone and, and my, my mother uh, said, I'm calling the wrong person, um, which was extremely hard to hear, uh, you know, being homeless. That call was to your mom? That call was to my mom, yeah. What was your next call? Uh, well, I, you know, after that, of course, my my pride and my ego. So I still continued to keep using uh, after that phone call, right? I think it was maybe a day or two after that, and I ended up reaching out to a friend. I told him where I was to come get me and that I needed help. He showed up, took me to the Ram Clinic, and then later that day to the Main Street Project where I was for uh, a few days, and then I transitioned into the Bruce Oak Recovery Center. So I don't know if that jumped out for either one of you. The fact that he sold his home and took what money, what equity he had and used it to feed his addiction. And I asked Shane what life was like on the streets. And for me, one word stood out. You're left to your own devices, if you will, right? Um, so it can be pretty lonely. There are places you could try to go, whether that be a crisis clinic or something. If you can, you can maybe your sit in the emergency room us. for a few He's hours to looking stay at warm, you like depending you are. on the situation. So it is pretty lonely. It is crucial to be able to have those resources out there to, to help us, right, when we're in need, and they're not always there. Where did you sleep at night? I lived in a vehicle for a while. There's bus shacks, there's... There's shelters as well, right? Um, hotels, if you can get in one, you know, if you can afford to get in one, right? There's a, it's, a, it's a scary place. It's a scary place where it can take you to. So if you didn't know Shane's story, if he wasn't so open about sharing it, you would have no idea his life story included time on the streets, let alone addiction. Shane felt, as you've heard, the sting of family turning their back on him, and he ultimately found the help he needed and wanted. Your uh, son's sitting next to us. He's looking at you like you are his hero of heroes. And let me tell you, you're my hero right now, Shane, for uh, finding this strength. So what's the message out there? Just don't give up. That's the, that's the number one. And, and to advocate for yourself as best you can, could uh, keep reaching out for help. That's the number one thing that I didn't do, and it's the number one thing that I do today is to reach out, to speak to somebody, uh, because I just kept everything bottled inside to the point where, you know, I'd explode or whatever the case might be. Uh, so today I, I recognize, you know, through programming, through treatment, the best thing for me is to reach out and to speak to somebody. You know, 15 minutes of talking to somebody can can mean life or death in a sense, right? I can talk to someone for 15 minutes and maybe those urges and those triggers and those temptations have gone away in that time, right? Or or maybe I just keep making those phone calls until, you know, even I gotta make 100 phone calls and 100 people don't answer, maybe that temptation has gone away by that time. Recovery is possible, for sure. Uh, you know, I'm living proof of it and I know many people that, that are in recovery and, and continue to live in recovery and it involves work. And it's a, it's a lot of work. It's not easy. And even today, I still have a lot of challenges. I still have challenges with my finances, my relationships, my emotions, learning new ways to cope with things. It takes a lot of work, but it's just certainly worth it. And, and everyone out there who's struggling is certainly worth it, too. Man, Greg, thank you for speaking with him. So many things stand out in that, not just him saying it takes a lot of work, but it's worth it. But the idea that in sharing the work that he's done, someone else out there undoubtedly is hearing that now and going, huh, you know. 
okay, maybe it's doable. Maybe I can do this. And I'm always amazed when people want to be so open and honest like that, because that's not an easy thing to admit to somebody privately, let alone publicly talking about your battle. You have to sell your house and use that money, as you pointed out, Greg, to drain your RSPs, to basically use everything you have to your name to feed your addiction uh, just shows how tough it is for some of us who are dealing with these things. And you know, that some people often will just turn to, well, why don't you just quit? Just stop using. Well, it's not that easy for so many of us. And But thanks to the help that he was able to get, here he is, his life has turned around, and now it's. I think it, it's great that he's sharing his story because it's so important to hear these stories. It's a reminder as to why initiatives like Fill the Freightliner exist because without stuff like that, we can't help these organizations who can then turn around and help people like Shane who need that help. He came in with his son Jackson. They had been at soccer on Saturday morning, indoor soccer, and uh, Jackson was sharing with me his exploits on the soccer field. He was sort of shy but uh, one thing was perfectly apparent to me, and that was uh, Jackson uh, loves and admires his father and, and Shane's openness and willingness to share that story just, uh, just warmed my heart this weekend and, and put a different face on homelessness and addiction, uh, hopefully uh, for, for not only myself but for others uh, listening this morning. And we're hoping to get an update as to just how much was raised on Saturday at Phil the Freightliner in support of Silo Mission. Once again, many thanks to Transolution Truck Centers for drive, being the driving force behind this amazing initiative for the last several years. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We have tickets to give away to see Shania Twain, Canada Life Centre, November 7th. And the question we are going to ask you to participate in a conversation about the stuff that you are surprised that you got into. Like they, you, you figured out, oh, well, I'll give this a shot. And then you actually got really into it. And it's, that's inspired by the fact that I've taken in quite a bit of the World Cup. As you know, I like to spend time down the street from here at the King's Head, and they have been showing the various matches, but in particular the England matches. And on Saturday it was the quarterfinals, England versus France. So, of course, it was a packed house. And I don't give, like, otherwise I don't give a rip about soccer. But when you're in a room full of people who are invested in a particular team, it's impossible, I think, not to get caught up in it. And on Saturday in particular... (laughs) I, I have never heard so much colorful language than with these English soccer fans. It was really, it was, it was super fun. It was so much fun. They were all screaming at the TV. One guy named Mike turns and he's just finished barking at the TV. And then he looks at my jacket and says, oh, do you work for 680? <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, if you're listening, good morning to you, sir. It was great to meet you. But, yeah, it was super fun. I just, I really enjoyed it. And, and now I'm, I'm looking forward to watching more international footy uh, with people who are into that stuff. So what's something that you got into and you're surprised by that? So Cameron Portress in studio, why don't we start with you, sir? Well, I have to say 90 Day Fiance. Um, never thought I'd get into that. <laughs> Been watching that. The wife's got that on TV Sunday night. I'm into it. Wow. I'm like heavy. I'm a heavy user. I watch every show. I know every character. What's the premise? Like- 
at beyond like a night. It's it's be, it's beyond its premise already because now there's ninety day the other way, ninety day before the ninety days. Then there's the ninety day the actual show, and then there's ninety day Trouble in Paradise and all this other stuff. And it's like I'm 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 heavy into it. Like, how could Andre talk to her like that? That whole family's crazy, and Angela is nuts. She's such a hypocrite. And then you, um, uh, you know, oh, there's Jovi. He's got to keep drinking. Like, always has to have a beer. And Ed, you're such a controlling. Like, you're so controlling. You're you're nuts. So this is my life. I never thought I'd be a 90-day heavy user, but I am. And here, here, here's my life. I've been down that road with The Bachelor, where you just you, you, you're and you're mad at yourself. Like, you sort of have that shame. Like, I cannot believe I'm watching this. And is this even real? And then next thing you know, you're like, why aren't those two together? They should be together forever. And you're, you're I don't know, it's a weird emotional place because you feel sadness, like, that you're, you're maybe falling down that hole. Maybe it's just really good. And I'm just, like, completely, like, I'm going to have to give this a shot. I think you should give it a shot. Good for you for being so honest, Cam. Yes. It's such a uni- it's a quite a universe to get into. And don't feel guilty for watching The Bachelor. It's one of the most successful reality shows. I, I ever. really don't anymore, but I did when I was watching it. I actually would sometimes just post publicly watching The Bachelor. Now, sorry, because I felt like I had to out myself. Yeah, you know. Oh, it's a popular wish, show. Do you wish on some level that you were the bachelorette? No, Loren? not even a oh, little okay. bit. Just making sure. It's so <laughs> wrong. Like it's just so wrong and fake. But it's then you're wrong. into it. Like that's the worst part. It's a well, train wreck. It's always so dramatic. That's the, right. Come up next on the Bachelor, the most dramatic rose ceremony ever. It's just so wrong too. Like just women standing there. Wait, pick me, pick me. I don't even like you, but I don't like to lose. And the fact you get so vested in these things, it's like uh, love it or list it. And they, that five seconds between when the couple makes a decision mm-hmm. on whether they're going to love or list their house. I don't know these people. I, I, don't, I don't care where they live yet. I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. And it's like, they're going to love it, right, Jackie? And Jackie would be like, no, I think they're going to list it. <laughs> and then you press pause and then you want to have a little bit of a side bet about it. And yeah, you really, you get into these things. What was that makeover show where they had the bus? And they parked oh, the bus in front, and they'd yeah. be like, "Move the bus, move the bus!" And you were so pumped for the family for the big reveal, yeah. and then you'd forget about it and move on the next day. Yeah, Jeff Braun, what about you? Uh, for me, uh, the thing I've noticed I've gotten into that I never really ever thought I would is just dogs in general. I used to hate dogs with a passion. I was afraid of them. I had a bunch of uh, incredibly bad experiences when I was a youngster that I think colored that. But then uh, about five years ago when I started dating my girlfriend and she's got a cocker spaniel named Luna and if that isn't uh, one of my favorite creatures on this planet, I don't know what is. And I've actually usurped most of the family in that I am now Luna's uh, second favorite person. Oh. Period. Uh, she still likes Julia the most, but I'm, I'm second. I go to the bathroom and when I come out, she's laying there on the floor by the door waiting uh-huh. for me. Me. It's just awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I hear you on that. I give Moose a secret hug every morning. Like I don't want I don't want the kids to know that I love him as much as I do because it's supposed to be their dog. But every morning when I go to let, let him out, I, I lean down and I put my arms right around his neck and I'm like, "Hi, Moose," and then look up to make sure there's no security camera on me or anything. <laughs> uh, Matt Abram for Jeff Forte. What about you? This is so random that this popped into my head when you asked this question, but this goes all the way back to my childhood when I was 10 years old, went to Disney World. Camp Poitras knows a thing or two about that place. Love that place. And we went to see the Country Bear Jamboree at uh, the Magic Kingdom, and I just remember going Frontierland, in. Frontierland, I know well. Yeah, I just remember going in. <laughs> 
you know, and just being like, why are we going to see this stupid bear show? You know, I was this sulky 10-year-old just, like, whining, being the the annoying little kid. My parents are like, just give it a chance. I'm like, I'm not giving it a chance. This is going to be so dumb. <laughs> and then I watched it, and I don't think I've ever laughed harder in my entire life. It's the greatest show of the Country Bear Jamboree. When you go to Disney World or Disneyland, go see the Country Bear Jamboree, and uh, yeah, to this day, I will recommend it, but I was very, very sulky at the time. Well, and just even the, the like, how could you not enjoy something with the word jamboree in the name? <laughs> I didn't know what the word jamboree meant when I was 10. Uh, Mackling, what about you? Uh, life in a small town. I'm a big city guy. I like uh, to go to the concerts and the sports and the shopping and the eating out. But I was not prepared 25 years ago when my dad moved to Minnedosa how much I would absolutely love spending time there to the point that I was very, very close to moving there, building a home there and, and, and running a, a business or two in Minnedosa. Things changed, but I just couldn't believe how much I loved that pace of life, walking from uh, the coffee shop to the credit union and bumping into people on the street. And uh, I know a lot of people don't like the fact that in a small town, everybody knows your business. I didn't mind. I kind of liked it. You're telling them anyway. Yeah, so you might as well, exactly, good point. They were going to find out anyway, so you might as well tell them the straight goods, at least your version of it. So, yeah, small town life. I, I still have a feeling at some point, somewhere along the line, I'm going to end up living in a small town. You should go to Minnesota. I'm trying, I wish, they, can this play? How do I make this play? <laughs> this is the ad campaign for Minnesota like 25 years ago. Yeah, this, this did not help. <laughs> this played zero role in my affection for Minidosa. Come on, people. Loren <laughs> is dancing in the studio right now. Minidosa. How did you not know the magic of Minidosa would get you? <laughs> All right. So here's what we need from you at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win tickets to see Shania Twain on November 7th at Canada Life Center. Tell us about something that you got into and you're surprised that you got into it, just like me enjoying the World Cup. Condolences, by the way, to all of my uh, English friends. I know it was a tough, uh, tough outcome losing to France in the quarterfinals. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Speaking of the weather, we heard rumblings last week of a Colorado low for this week. David Phillips from Environment Canada will join us at 7.35 to give us the lowdown. In our next segment, we have tickets to give away for the Winnipeg Jets versus the Ottawa Senators, Tuesday, December 20th. And a reminder, we have Shania Twain tickets to give away. We're asking you about something that you got into and you're surprised how much you liked it. Like, what does Janice have for us, Mackling? My hubby decided to watch the F1 series, and I was... Not interested in this at all. Quite frankly, neither was he. So as I'm sitting there, ignoring the F1, looking at my phone, I couldn't help but start catching stuff here and there. And after a few uh, episodes, I found myself interested. So for both of us, we're surprised how much we got into it, never being interested before. Now he knows all the racers' names, the cars, who they race for. She says... I'm not that obsessed. <laughs> Plus all the drama that comes with the show. Never thought I'd be into F1, even talking about maybe going to see F1 race in Vegas next. Oh, cool. Year. So how about that? That's fun. Right on, Jenna. So keep those stories coming for a chance to win. 
Shania Twain tickets. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. After a couple years with no holiday concerts or limited concerts in schools, singing is back in a big way. Yeah, so if you've got a young kid or a grandkid, you've either already been back at school in the gym or auditorium to watch them perform, or you might be heading there at some point this week and you're going to have those cameras ready to capture what we've missed out on during the pandemic, because as Brett mentioned, concerts were either cancelled or there was that sort of hybrid version where maybe some of you got to go or one of you got to go or they would film it and then post it on the website for the school later, but you didn't get that same experience. And so it's fun for the kids and for the families and I think maybe the teachers as well. Stacey Natchez-Brown is a choir and vocal jazz teacher at Garden City Collegiate and joins us this morning. Hi, Stacey. Hi, good morning. So let's just talk about the concerts. Like, Explain the difference between what's actually going to happen this year or has already happened compared to what you have had to do over the past couple of years and just how you're feeling about it all. Yeah, thank you for having me on this morning. Um, in, in my case, in our school division, we last year had a limited amount of in, in-person concerts. So I've, I've already done that. Like last year, um, we have a Seven Oaks Performing Arts Centre in our actual school. Um, and so we had a large enough theater that we could do, you know, spaced out audiences and a live stream capacity. So a lot of our events last year um, were live streamed. But um, I'm a mom and my own kids and in their schools didn't like they weren't able to do that. So I actually took in my son's band concert. He's in grade eight. And it's the first time I've ever sat in a gym and watched him play in a band. And, you know, he's moving on to high school next year. Um, and my elementary kids, they have their concert this week. And, you know, last week, last year they missed it because they were sick. You know, they had a cold in that week and you couldn't go to school. And so um, I've never seen my daughter, who's in grade two, in a winter concert. So I'm ecstatic from a mom's point of view. Um, and my son, who's in grade five, you know, I haven't seen him on stage since grade two. So I'm very excited. It's a, a great feeling because I, I just wanted to jump in. You know, it's one of those things when you first see your kid perform, you're just so thrilled for them and they're nervous and they're excited and they're all dressed up. And on the other hand, when you, you know, you know, you're sitting there listening to everybody else perform, it's like a rite of passage almost, right? Like every kid has to get up there, good or bad, play the recorder, play the drums, play a terrible trumpet and give it a shot. Right, Stacey? It is. Absolutely. I mean, that was exactly what came to mind when I was thinking about this. It is a rite of passage. Like if we think back to our elementary school days, I mean, those are some of the strongest memories I have is getting up on that platform that they built in the gym, standing on the choir risers, smiling out at your parents and your community. Um, and, and for some kids, honestly, that might be the only time that they get up on a stage and have that experience. Um, not everybody is in organized arts things outside of school. And, and so I think it is an absolute rite of passage and a, a memory maker for sure. Stacy, one of the highlights on Twitter uh, this past week, and, and there are fewer and fewer of those, but that's a, that's a sidebar <laughs> conversation, but was video of a young girl. She was maybe mm-hmm. in kindergarten. Maybe you saw this. I did. And she realizes that her, her parents or her grandparents, somebody special to her, is in the audience. And so, of course, you finish the performance and everyone's clapping and she's scanning the crowd and then she realizes those special people are there. And she's so delighted. It brings her to tears. It brings tears to her eyes. Yeah. It is the most heartwarming video I've ever seen. Um, and that's exactly that feeling that I'm talking about. Like when, when a kid is on stage and they look out and they see their family. And in this case, yeah, this young girl was moved to so much. Ha- like she was so happy she started to cry. And 
And whether a kid, you know, shows that on their face or not, that feeling is, is within them. And, um, and as a parent, the feeling is reciprocal. Like I, the amount of times I've sat, you know, in the audience and just tears pouring down my face, watching my kid do this, you know, what is probably the simplest of tasks on stage, but, you know, seeing your, your child up there doing what you did when you were little and, and all dressed up and with their friends, you know, you don't get those experiences very often in a school year to begin with. It's really just a once a year thing for a, a winter pageant anyway. Um, and, and it's been missing. So um, I, I mean, I was in tears last year when I missed it and it was just, um, it was just a virtual thing. But the fact that my daughter wasn't in the virtual video, um, I, I bawled like a baby over it if I'm being honest. So it, it means a lot to a lot of people. Um, and I, yeah, I don't think, you know, having it gone for so long, I don't think the impact of that can be understated. Now, Stacey, before we let you go, we understand you've got a musical coming up this week. Oh, I do. Yeah, we are doing Elf the Musical. Um, so the classic Elf movie with Will Ferrell. Um, there's a musical version that was written over 15 years ago. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. And we're putting it on at uh, Garden City Collegiate this week. I'd so love to see the Friday auditions. Yeah. Sorry. So, Stacey, the oh. auditions for this, how did they go? I mean, oh, like signing up so to be Elf funny. is hilarious. Oh, absolutely. It was, um, we were laughing so hard in the audition room. The kids all reading the different scenes and trying to cast who the, who the boss is going to be, who's the angry dad, who's Buddy the Elf. And so we have a tremendous cast and, you know, we've got such talented kids um, all over Manitoba and in our school, we're, we're no different. So, And the show is this week? Show. It's this week, yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night at Seven Oaks Performing Arts Centre. $15 for, for adults. Buddy the Elf, what's your favourite colour? That's how to answer a phone. <laughs> um, what are all the major food groups? Sugar, syrup, uh, <laughs> more sugar. Candy corn. And, yeah, candy corn. <laughs> the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. And I wish that for all the students in Manitoba who are taking the stage this week. Stacey Natchez-Brown, choir and vocal jazz teacher at Garden City Collegiate, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Stacey, always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. I am just wonder if they get to utter the line, Santa! Oh, my God! It's you! <laughs> it's hard to believe that movie is 22 years I, old. As soon I knew- as she said that, I thought that's a whole generation. What, that- what do you mean the classic? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. It was almost the last century when it was released. Jeez. That's a musical I can get on board with. Like, what, what songs did they turn in? I'm singing, I'm singing for all to you. <laughs> it's Mackling McGarry McNabb. we got Jets tickets to give away in two minutes' time. But before that, reminder... We are also giving away Shania Twain tickets for November 7th. We're asking you about something that you you got into that surprised you at how much you got into it. And Kristen has a good one here. I suddenly feel uh, certain voices coming on, Loren. She said two words, monster trucks. I always thought it seemed so ridiculous, but my friend scored box seats back in early 2020. Off we went. It was glorious. All the zooming and maneuvering had me on the edge of my seat. My new favorite, Gravedigger, also took the biggest risks, got stuck a bunch of times, clearly had the time of his life doing it. I wanted to quit my day job and be a monster truck monster truck roadie. Not my picture, but look at that guy go. And she sent a picture of, uh, yes, the truck off and about. That is a fun time. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. (laughs) Grave digger. (laughs) Who doesn't like that? Come on. Monster trucks are super fun. Just, yeah, the the sights and sounds, the explosive sounds in the arena mackling. I've never been. No? No. And And it's been probably 
35 years since I've been to a to a live wrestling event. What? I, I feel like I'm missing out. Oh man. Yes. We'll have to get you to a monster truck. Well, maybe we'll have to get you to AEW when Jericho and Kenny Omega are back in town. Oh, that is spectacular. I think I'm going to that for sure. Yeah, that's going to be uh, that's going to be a big one. So, Kristen, thank you very much for that. That's fantastic. And Adam had one that made me smile because it. Uh, well, my mom was into this one. Adam says. Uh, something I got into I would nev- never have expected started 21 years ago. My girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, was from Scotland. And as we all know, people who grew up on the other side of the pond are hooked on Coronation Street. She got me watching this show strictly because she always had it on. 21 years later, we still watch it every single day. And it truly has to be the longest running show in the world. I think they're at like episode 10,092 or something like that, says wow. Adam. My mom was into Coronation Street. She never got me into that. She watched that every day, too, but she did get me into, of course, Mackling, you know the show. Young and the Restless. <laughs> it's hard not to get into. I've never watched Coronation Street. I don't think I've watched a single episode. Did you ever uh, see EastEnders? Nope. Oh, that's another one. Yeah, my mom was into that one. I mean, I'm sure I've seen, I I shouldn't say no so emphatically. I'm sure at some point, yes. I think Brett's mom and my mom would have been best of friends. (laughs) (laughs) So keep those texts coming. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. Shania Twin tickets November 7th, Canada Life Centre. But in the meantime, if you want to go see the Winnipeg Jets take on the Ottawa Senators, Tuesday, December 20th, call us now. Let's see, call number five for a chance to win. Okay, Matt. <laughs> Matt and I were playing dueling unfree the lines here. Okay, we got it. 204-780-6868, call number five is going to see the Jets. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Before we talk about a possible Colorado low, we gave away tickets for the Winnipeg Jets versus the Ottawa Senators on December 20th, Canada Life Center. Matt Abram for producer Jeff Forte. Who won those tickets? It was Karen who won. Karen! And she's uh, also said that she's delightfully going to donate them to a children's fund tonight. Oh, come on. Really? Yeah. That's fantastic. Oh, sweet. How wonderful. That's really nice, Karen. Our listeners are the best. Right on. That's excellent. So we'll have more tickets to give away through the week. And a reminder that we are giving away tickets to see Shania Twain, Canada Life Center, November 7th. So text us about something that you got into and you're surprised how much you got into it. We'll pick a winner just after 9.15. In the meantime, we had rumblings about a Colorado low, Loren, last week. It was one of those things where while I was off, I heard rum- rum- rumors about it, and I just buried my yeah. head in the snow and said, no, not listening. I ignored not it. Not listening. I ignored it, too. And then, of course, it was so mild this weekend, and I had to fill up, top up the windshield washer fluid a couple times, and everything was melting. And there was part of me that thought, huh, are we going to see a white Christmas this year just because of the way the melt was going on? And so we thought... We bring on our friend, David Phillips, Senior Climatologist with Environment Canada, to ask all of our weather-related questions. Good morning, David. Hey, good morning, guys. Nice to be with you. So this Colorado low that we had whispers of last week, is it or is it not on the horizon? Well, you know, it is really interesting, the attention that this massive storm has has garnered, uh, particularly in the United States. I mean, my gosh, there are going to be millions of people down there are going to be uh, feeling the effects of it. The other thing aspect about this Colorado low, and, and let's face it, it's still developing. The track is really uncertain. All the models are all over the place, and it's really going to be more of a, like a Wednesday, Thursday in, in parts of, uh, of Manitoba. But the United States, I mean, it's going to be 
it's going to affect them from Montana to Massachusetts. And it's going to be cold and blizzardy in the north and, and tornadoes and thunderstorms in the south. So it's got to drawing in Arctic air and tropical air, and that really fuels these kind of uh, systems. Moving very slow, and that, that's, that's really, I, I think, what's going to determine the, the impacts of this particular event. Now, the further south you are, the more impactful the storm will be. So I think it's going to affect Manitoba, but, but really, it may just be a little bit of a dusting. I think the, uh, the Dakotas may get 30 centimeters of snow, but north of, of there, you're going to get far less. You're going to be away from the center of the, uh, of the storm. So my sense is it will be a, one of these storms that will guarantee you a white Christmas, although, my gosh, the last time you had a green Christmas, guys, was 25 years ago. I mean, it, it's, climate change has affected that, but not really in, in Manitoba. And uh, so, so my sense is it'll freshen up all of that dirty snow at the end of the driveway and, uh, and really give kids a chance to have some depth of snow. I mean, you've really had maybe, maybe five or six sitting on the ground, but it's been pretty, pretty dirty. And, and this, these warm days in the next couple of days will melt some of that stuff. So I think the snow will just come in time. And then what we see after that is a return to kind of cooler weather. I mean, you guys, you shouldn't be complaining about the winter so far. You've had five days where the temperature's been below minus 20. I mean, and, and you take places like Saskatoon, Edmonton, they've had 15 of those suckers. So you guys have been in the mild, more easterly air and, um, and, and really telling you, here we are in December, and you really haven't been facing very many difficult days. Hey, you've counted the number of days, number of fingers on one hand would tell you how many cold days you've had so far. And we know that sometimes those days can come in October. So my sense is that you've been uh, seven months in a row with milder than normal temperatures. Hey, we've got to see how December comes out. But I think what we're going to see is some colder air. We see that, that um, say, come the weekend and into next week prior to Christmas. And uh, we'll keep the snow there and just uh, make it a little chilly. But I certainly don't think it's cold as it was last Christmas, New Year's, when you had minus 44 wind chills, minus 35 for lows. No, it's not going to be that polar cold, but it's, uh, it's certainly going to be cold and extended period than what you've been used to. So I don't think any of us really cheer for that green Christmas, uh, David. I think it's something that uh, lives as a novelty, something that maybe yes. we'd all like to see once in a lifetime, because when you get right down to it, it is about snow. But I'm a little disheartened to imagine that we're getting some of that weather. I call it the weather that reminds all the expats that are coming home for Christmas why they left in the first place while they were <laughs> leading up to Christmas, and that sounds like exactly what we're going to get. Yeah, but you know, I mean, it's been far colder. I mean, I think that that Arctic air will be tempered somewhat. I don't think it will be uh, record breaking. You won't even remember that by the end of the uh, of the kind of uh, of all winter. So, I think I think what you should be celebrating is you really haven't started it. I mean, people in the far west, Alberta and parts of Saskatchewan, they've they're already fed up with winter. And so, my sense is that um, you're just that further east that you can sometimes benefit by those southerly breezes, and you don't get that polar a polar vortex that comes down over the heart of Alberta and Saskatchewan. So my sense is this one will be a refresher. Uh, it'll be when kids get their saucers or snowboards at Christmas, they'll be gleeful that, hey, this is a good thing to uh, to get. But um, hey, I mean, it could be a touristy thing in the future, guys, where, hey, you want to see a white Christmas? Well, the place to go would be southern Manitoba. So my sense is it could be more in a money-making thing rather than, in fact, it, you know, you may have what 
what we call a perfect Christmas. That is snow in the ground, and you might have even snow in the air. So that way, the uh, but not so deep that the in-laws stay uh, longer than you want them to. And uh, but uh, hey, it gives you that kind of Christmas card look to the holiday season. But hey, I, I think this this kind of Colorado low is a little bit more more talk than than uh, really what it's meant to be. But we'll have to wait and see as the models kind of clear it up and the storm begins to develop more. What about sunshine, David? I mean, it's been pretty gloomy for the bulk of the last several weeks. I mean, we were just yeah. socked in all weekend. I know, but don't be greedy. I mean, you get, you get sunshine with cold Arctic polar vortex air. And when you get the mild temperatures, well, you get lots of cloud or you get a little bit of snow and it keeps the temperatures elevated. But hey, you're right. You don't get the snow with that. So, but come we, the weekend, you will get that. You'll get the cold air and you'll get the snow. So uh, you'll, you'll uh, it, and you know, glistening off that white snow. Wow. You'll need sunglasses. David Phillips, you always manage to bring a smile to our face, even when you have some of the worst news possible. This, this is sort of in the middle, though. Are you familiar with the song, I can cry if I want to? And I can whine if I want to about the weather, David. Come on now. Well, no, I'm not familiar with that, guys. But uh, It's my party you're... and I can cry if I want to. It's oh, my yes, winter yes. and I can whine if I want to. I, I, now I know it. You said a few more <laughs> lyrics and I got it. Right. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes, you know, people only call me when there's a big black cloud hanging over them. It's never when it's nice weather that I get calls. But, uh, hey, I always enjoy calls from you guys. David Phillips, Senior Climatologist with Environment Canada, joining us live on The Start. David, always a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, guys. 744 with Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And, uh, yeah, they looked at... I know that we've had, it was a beautiful weekend, mild. I just, yeah, I miss the sun, that's all. Like it's, you go a couple of days without sunshine and uh, it, I, it affects me. I'm and not speaking for anybody else, but no. I feel it. And November that's was hard. November is a hard month, that transition month. The, 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 the month that I often say, pick a lane, November, like be one or the other, but your in-betweenness is annoying and it's gloomy. Yeah, we might not see the sunshine for like about eight days here, so... You might want to get used to the cloud, McGarry. I hate to tell you that. Well, listener Gary was sending pictures um, from his walk this morning. He sent pictures from just uh, 10 minutes ago, and it looks like it's a bit clearer sky to the south. So what was that? That's me. That's something. I don't know what I did, but that was me. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Some sort of weird system sound. I I I blame Microsoft Teams. When I'm annoyed with something, I just blame Teams. I hate it. Yeah, my laundry... uh, didn't get done this weekend. I blame Microsoft Teams for that. <laughs> there we go. We just found a scapegoat for all of our problems, whether they're work-related or not. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. Coming up after 8.35, it's our weekly Monday chat on all things weekend sports. But right now we're going to switch gears because we need to ask the question, will there be a search of a landfill north of Winnipeg for the remains of two women? So as we know, Brett, operations at Prairie Green Landfill, they were paused Thursday in order to continue conversations around a possible search. Over the weekend, then, there were some reports that family members had moved in to block the entrance to that landfill as they continued their quest and demands to find the remains of their loved ones. And then, of course, this morning, 
Winnipeg Police Chief Danny Smythe is meeting with the police board for further discussion. And we're joined now by the chair of the Winnipeg Police Board, Marcus Chambers. Good morning, Marcus. Good morning, Lauren. So this meeting today, what's what's to take place? What's the expectation? Well, over the weekend, uh, Mayor Gillingham, myself... Councillor Rollins, Minister Squires, and uh, MP Leah Gazan had the opportunity to meet at the Millennial Library with uh, Indigenous leaders and elders. And just hear from them, there were some family members of the uh, two women that were there as well. And we had the opportunity just to hear from them what potential next steps might look like. Uh, also in attendance was uh, Kyra Wilson, who's the chief of Long Plains. And we had a great discussion in terms of, you know, what the needs of the community are. Uh, you know, just an understanding of how deeply impacted the Indigenous community is that these uh, these tragic events continue to happen. So this at the meeting today, you're taking what you learned from those conversations and you're, you're speaking to the police chief about this. And so I'm, I'm wondering, is the question more now that we're at the point of it's not a matter of should this landfill be searched, but when might we do some sort of search? Because the pushback has been immense that the people want some to see something. So what's your take on that? Well, it is it is a little bit bigger than that. There is, uh, you know, the hope that we can get together as elected officials as community leaders uh, to talk about the next steps and the future steps, the long-term steps that also need to happen. It's about the safety of uh, young women and girls that are preyed upon in the in the city and how we can support them uh, going forward, ensuring that they're safe spaces, ensuring that uh, they don't become vulnerable while in the city of Winnipeg. So those are all of the conversations that we're having. We're also uh, looking to bring in industry experts in, in areas like like uh, forensic uh, anthropology, uh, waste management, excavation, and have those conversations with individuals to see, uh, you know, from a safety perspective, what can be facilitated, if anything, is to go forward in terms of a search. Marcus, a lot of people listening right now might be saying, boy, these sound like conversations that might have been better served and, and better had back in June. And so my question for you is, uh, you know, the communication between the police board and, and city council, maybe you can educate us very briefly on that. At what point uh, do those discussions happen either between the police board and the police, the police board and city council? And were there any discussions? Was the police board aware that we had a potential serial killer in June? Did the police board know that there was a decision made by the city of Winnipeg police that searching Prairie Green was too daunting a task to take on. What did you know in June? Well, didn't know any of these details. I mean, we were briefed just last week with respect to the um, the incident that occurred and the additional charges that were laid against Mr. Skibicki. Um, you know, at the time back in June, there was that decision that was made based on the safety factors, the fact that there are animal remains at that landfill, there's asbestos, there's toxic, tox, toxic gases being uh, emitted, whether it's methane or, or different uh, acids that are produced as a result. So from a safety perspective, there was always there that concern of why the search did not. Was the police board aware of that situation or this is just, that was exclusively a, a Winnipeg Police Service knowledge and understanding? Yeah, and not wanting to jeopardize the investigation or anything like that or the charges that were being laid. Uh, the police board wasn't aware until just recently uh, uh, of this situation. I appreciate that that would have been the concern. You you have a you have an investigation underway. You're trying to piece all the pieces of the puzzle together. But on the other hand, you know when we sit here now and we think we're hitting pause uh, to to have these conversations about searching the landfill. If we had maybe hit pause 
in June, would we have been better served? And so do you think it's fair, based on that, the fact that the families didn't know, community didn't know, like, and maybe they shouldn't have known, maybe that's how investigations work, but hindsight now looking back, I can get why families are very upset that here we are and we've wasted, I'm putting that in quotes, all this possible time to get in there in the summer rather than be here in the middle of the winter. Well, and, you know, I'm, I'm certain the service would have, you know, sought the same information or had the information available to them in terms of, you know, the feasibility of a search. And that's what has been discussed, uh, you know, even as recent as last week. Uh, with the safety factors that, uh, you know, had to be considered, the fact that Rebecca Contois' remains were found at the Brady Landfill uh, and, you know, the differences uh in terms of what that looked like or what how that search was conducted and and compared to the prairie green landfill just the the, the differences in terms of the compaction uh, as the trucks were on route the compaction of the soil uh, and the fact that 34 days had expired between the time that she was those bodies were alleged to be disposed there and the time that police were alerted as opposed to the brady landfill where it was only a matter of hours that uh, transpired in between so mark is it I see the police board as sort of that uh, that connection, that conduit between the community and the police and, of course, city council and the police. But the community wasn't consulted in making this decision. And, and in retrospect, you think that's a mistake because every time I, I'm speaking to anybody in the last week about this situation – where was the consultation? Where was the, the conversations you had this weekend with those who are directly impact with, with this as opposed to just telling them what they're going to do, letting them know what they're up against and, and what the possibilities are? Is that a, has that been a mistake? Certainly, there's an opportunity to improve communications along the line with, you know, but we have to remember that, you know, what we're seeking here is justice and we don't want to compromise any aspects of the investigation or the case that's been, you know, uh, brought up against Mr. Skibicki. So from that perspective, yeah, communication can be better. Uh, we should be consulting with the Indigenous community and leaders and elders and, and ensuring that they have a voice uh, that is to be heard. And that's exactly where we're at right now is listening to the community, understand when, what the community is going through, and then having a plan to go forward to uh, support the community. It's one of the reasons why Indigenous leaders and family members called for the resignation of Chief Smythe last week. He said he's not going to resign. Are you comfortable with that decision? I am comfortable with that decision, and that is in consultation with uh, Indigenous elders as well. We get the role that they play in terms of the advocacy for uh, in, uh, vulnerable women and girls, uh, and that uh, somebody has to be held responsible in terms of some of the decisions that have been, have been made. But remember, the fact that we do have charges that are laid and the additional charges that have been laid against this individual, and the fact that we're still trying to find the name of that unidentified woman uh, known as Buffalo Woman and all efforts should be focused on getting more information so we can bring her family closure as well. Marcus Chambers is the chair of the Winnipeg Police Board joining us live on 680 CJOB. Marcus, thank you for this. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We have tickets to give away to see Shania Twain. November 7th, Canada Life Centre. That's the second show that was recently added because her first show is in May. We're asking you about something that you're into, something that you got into and that you're surprised. 
I don't much you got into it. And we got a whole bunch of texts along these lines. Gary was along these lines. Jason was along these lines. I think Tannis. But Gene, uh, summing it up, Gene was first out of the gate along these lines saying, something I never thought I'd get into now but can't live without is 680 CJOB. Hear me out, says Gene. Growing up, CJOB was on in the kitchen all the time. We were never allowed to change the station. When we borrowed the car... We better have turned the radio back to CJOB, or boy, would we hear about it. I just couldn't wait to move out and listen to what I wanted on the radio. <laughs> well, it started with turning to CJOB at the top of the hour for news, and then 25 after the hour for sports, and now you guys are what I wake up to. No alarm on my phone. It's a good old-fashioned clock radio tuned to CJOB. You are on our car, and it's nice when we're on vacation to be able to stream CJ will be at the top of the hour to hear the news and what's going on at home. Have a great day. Gene, thank you for that. And that's how it starts for a lot of people, right? Their parents listen to CJOB and they say, I'm never listening mm-hmm. to CJOB. That's how it start, my career started. I said the last place I want to work in radio ah, is no, CJOB. But I got a job right out of school because <laughs> my instructor had previously worked here. So I thought, well, I'll take the job and get my foot in the door and... Here I am 18 years later, and I love it. Preconceived notions. I had a conversation just like that Saturday night at a gathering I was with. One of our most loyal listeners started off pledging to never, ever listen to CJOB based on the way he was brought up. Cliff says, I find myself getting drawn into the most expensive of hobbies, renovations. We are three quarters of the way through a kitchen reno, and the plans are already started for the bathroom and the basement. But first, I will need more tools. Ah, Cliff. Has caught the renovation bug. Good for you, Cliff. It's a, it's a lot of fun, but you're right. It's expensive. I'll bet. And you just keep going because then you're done one room and then the other room doesn't look good, as good. Or you do the room and you're like, well, now I need all new furniture. And you just stare angrily at the furniture for the next couple of years. That's <laughs> yeah. where I'm at. And it's dangerous to even finish one job because inevitably you're not even finished glowing and basking in the satisfaction of victory. And the quish- question gets asked, so when are you going to get in the blank then. it's like can we like the paint's not even dry here do you think we could celebrate this just maybe one more day no get no. to work Macklin. Yeah. get to work but michelle loren is our winner what does michelle have for michelle us michelle says i have never been on a water slide can't swim and worry i would drown or fall out last month i went on a cruise with my son and seven-year-old granddaughter there was a huge in my opinion slide on the cruise and the little one and her dad spent most of their time going on it Well, I thought, I'm pretty old, I'm pretty scared, but if a seven-year-old can go, surely I can try. After much convincing, she climbed the stairs with me, and after a half-hour wait, it was our turn. Panic struck. I was so scared. I'm old and fragile. I told her I had changed my mind. I didn't want to go. Nope. She said, we waited all this time. We're going. So in I went, and down and around we went, me screaming bloody murder all the way. When it ended, she quickly hopped out. I needed help, but it was the best time of my life. I can hardly wait to try all kinds of water slides. This was so wonderful. So, yes, I'm glad I finally had the courage to go, thanks to my seven-year-old granddaughter. Oh, Michelle, that is fantastic. I got a big smile on my face. And, uh, hey, even more motivation for what we need in the city of Winnipeg. Water park? Water park. Indoor water park? (laughs) Retractable roof water park. Connect. Cliffhanger game, prices right, young and the restless, to water parks, please, if you can. <laughs> I think that cliffhanger game, uh, the guy would uh, love to do a swan dive uh, off the largest, tallest platform uh, indoors anywhere in the world, and he would yell, the price is wrong, because Winnipeg could not afford that. 